We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. see it work look at that two minutes up we're going we already got 20 people already pouring in all right 29 i gotta get the multi-stream going what's going on everybody all right editors at blazers edge are getting ready to post it up on the site i'm gonna post it up on twitter right now as everybody else starts to pile in i just tweeted it oh perfect Uh, there we go uh All right, there we go, there we go, there we go. Make sure everything is set up and running. All right, I think we're actually good. Are we good? I think we're good, look at that. Uh, hey. Right. See David Myers running in here right away with the one eye emoji for Sean Hyken. Oh, peep. that's my brand. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the family. Let me, uh, Blazers. Let me snooze the uh, the Slack notifications right now because otherwise we are going to hear them uh, the entire day. Uh, as you can imagine, it's uh, it's busy. God, where I can never remember where to silence notifications. Dame seems to indicate he expect more roster moves. Did you hear that too? Or did I mishear him? I think you guys misheard him because we're not getting anything else right now. I thought we were getting KD. I thought that's what Dame said. <laughs> I, I was like, is that tampering? That was the first thing that I thought. I was no, like, well, no, can it's he? Only, it's, it's not tampering when it's players. I think that's like the precedent that the league hits. Players can talk about other players. It's just coaches and GMs can't. Is that what um, it is? Yeah. Yeah. Ocasio says, only 15 minutes late, but who's counting? Blame Sprague. That's, that's all I'm gonna say ever. <laughs> wow! Yeah. Wow! You hate, you hate to see it. I do. I do hate to see it. John, can I ask you real quick? Yeah. On, on the tampering thing, wouldn't be, wouldn't it be odd to not include players in that? Isn't that how all this is going down anyway? It's because players. Because otherwise, players just can't talk about each other in the media at all. Which I. Yeah, that's okay. I guess that's a good point. 
it's it's all very dumb. I don't, I don't know why. Dumb. I don't know why we can we're talk about it. it on the show if you guys want. Or yeah, no. About other things. But... We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. But um, we'll, we'll get everybody else. We, we're about five minutes in right now. It usually takes about ten minutes for everybody else to get here. So, okay. um, real quick, Sean, since you were actually you were in the building, right? I was. Okay. What was what was it like being back in the building? It's fine. Any, any, it was just a just pretty normal, normal press conference. It's just everybody had masks on. Are, are you going to be able to go? Have they talked to you guys at all about locker room procedure or any of that kind of stuff? Or is that up in the air right now? I've been told that locker rooms won't be open, but there's going to be in-person press conferences and they're going to supposedly P- team PR staffs are supposed to be willing to work with us to work, to get one-on-ones with players if we ask for them and like do oh. it ahead of time. So, Oh, do it ahead of time. It's going to be a hell of a lot better than last year, but still not back to pre-pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, you, you're a, you're a big hoops guy. Did you have any at one point? Did you ever feel kind of odd going, but you could only do Zoom? So like you're there and you get to see in game, but you don't get to like interact the way you normally do. Did that oh, feel odd for you? It was terrible, and I actually <laughs> for a lot of the season I didn't even like because at the very yeah, you only went to a couple. Well, at the beginning of the season, like I went to the first couple just yeah. to see what it was like. And then like maybe like the first week of January, for whatever reason, the Star Tribune sent their beat writer on the road, the Minneapolis, mm. to that game against the Timberwolves the first like week of January. And we were hanging out in the in the media room beforehand, like an hour before the game started. We, you know, we had our masks on. We were the proper amount of distance apart. And he got a call from a contact tracer saying that somebody that he had been around in L.A. had been exposed. And then the next, you know, so then, so then he and I both just bounced from the arena. You're like, and, nah, but we're good. And then his, and then his test came back negative the next day. And then a couple days later, I started feeling sick, and so I got tested. And made, luckily, my test came back negative, so I was fine. But after that, I stopped going to games until I'd gotten vaccinated once. And then w- once I got the shot, I started going again. But it was like I would just kind of because normally, if we had normal access, like I, I am planning on going to every game this year because. Of, you know we are gonna get actual access yeah. but normally i would go to every game even if it was a game i wasn't that interested in because there's always like somebody you can talk to in the you know in the locker room or in the back hallway or whatever there's mm-hmm. always someone with the visiting yep. team that you can like connect with but now like this past last season basically i would go when it was like Giannis or luca or lebron or you know a, a team that like i really wanted to see in person i would go and then right. i'd skip like the magic and the Cavs or whoever yeah don't tell larry that <laughs> larry uh, you guys should get larry on the pod he working, seems awesome working on doing that yeah he so. is gonna become like the fan favorite he, he already so is i, I mean he, he went out I there and, and crushed already tell yeah, yeah. He's, he's a soccer fan i mean that right there you're in the good graces we were just talking yeah. uh sean on our last pod about portland legends and i feel like he's already elevated into that status without question yeah wow. no he's he gets it like you can tell in the press conference. Yeah, I, I've talked to a ton of people that that covered him and worked with him in Cleveland, and they all said the same thing that he's going to tell you what he thinks, how he thinks, and what he feels, and he's not really going to put a filter on it. But he's also just a really like likable and lovable dude, and cool. so you get Works like for me, yeah. And I, I I think that's that's a good thing right out of the yeah. gate. Like the Blazers have not Dame is like at least for me like media personality one A right like yeah. everything is just perfect he is he has made like two genuine missteps in his entire career with his public persona i think mellow was pretty close to that level too yeah up until like i said again very 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 i think you could put lebron on that same level like there's soup there's there's superstars that, that they're in that public eye so much you would expect them to actually 
step in it a lot more, but they the don't. The two guys that are the absolute, besides like the, beside the two, like as far as like guys who aren't playing anymore, the two guys who are like the best, they're like big, I mean, I guess, I guess Chris Bosch is not quite as big of a star as like LeBron yeah. or whoever, but he was always great. And then Dirk was always phenomenal to deal with too. Yeah. And I, I feel like I've heard the same with, with, uh, in respect to Giannis, Giannis. I was gonna say Giannis has got to be in this combo now, right? I've only yeah. dealt with the, I've only dealt with Giannis a little bit personally, but I've only heard good things about him. So yeah. we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. You you get a couple guys, though, and, and I think it, Portland, outside of Dame, really didn't have like too many guys that are, I don't know, I won't say like, anti-social but just they weren't like on that level like cj god bless him today he, he's a politician oh god it was a word salad sandwich it was incredible he, he stood up there for five minutes and didn't say a damn thing i was yep. i was just blown <laughs> well, and away i've said this the whole time he's <laughs> definitely got some Dwayne wade in him where he wants to work in media when he's done playing mm-hmm. and so every interview he gives is like auditioning for a tv job Oh, oh yeah. absolutely! Yeah, no, there, there's no doubt about that. And, uh, and I covered I covered Dwayne Wade in Chicago. That's right. You had him in Chicago on his little his farewell tour. He's like the king. Well, no, the, that wasn't the farewell tour. Well, no, was, it's still Chicago. It's just farewell tour in Chicago. Right, but <laughs> Dwayne Wade was the king of. You're listening to him talk, and during while he's talking, you think, "Wow, this is so much great stuff!" Like I can't like this is going to be great. And then you go back and listen to it afterwards, and he said absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's impressive. Yeah, it's a bad feeling, though, from a media perspective when that happens and you're like, I'm getting good stuff from this guy. And then you go back and you're like, 
he didn't really break any news or say no. anything or shattering. Damon Mello are easily the two best I've ever dealt with on a regular basis. Yeah. As far as dudes go, I, I've I've never heard any anybody say anything otherwise. Like as far as like just sidling yeah. up to somebody in a locker room in a hallway, those two as guys will just go. Pau Gasol was also great when mm. I had him in Chicago. I remember when Trailblazers legend Pau Gasol. Yeah, but no, I had him for two years in Chicago, and actually, I remember when uh, Kobe announced that he was going to retire at the end of the season, whatever year that was. And Pow is one of those guys who usually only talks post-game. He never talks pre-game. But we were all in the locker room pre-game, and, like, Casey and Joe and, like, the beat writers for the papers went up to Pow and were just like, look, man, we know you only talk post-game, but we really want to talk to you about Kobe, and if you wait until after the games, we're going to miss our deadline. And he was just like, okay, cool, I'll talk about Kobe now. <laughs> and so he did, and he was great. The, the rare exception when somebody's actually going to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, that's always cool to see. Uh, we've got a few questions here before we get going. Uh, this is from Leslie. Sean, do you cover all NBA teams these days, or are you more Blazer-focused? Uh, I would say more so covering the league at large. You just happen I, to live in Portland. Exactly, yeah. I would say that I cover the Blazers when it's a story that rises to the national level of interest, which usually means anything to do with Dame or let's say a couple years ago, the Blazers signed future Hall of Famer Carmelo Anthony off the street, and he'd been out of the league for a year, and he was trying to resuscitate his career. That was a lot of national interest there. So that's I, I'm kind of you know when I'm writing about the Blazers, it's kind of more that type of stuff when it's that type of angle, as opposed to like like I'm probably not going to be writing a lot of stories about like. Uh, how Nasir Little's jump shot has has improved. That's a great Blazers edge story. That's a great story for Jason at the Athletic. But that's the kind of thing that for BR for my editors, that's kind of not going to rise to the level of what's going to make sense exactly. Yeah. Um, Lindsay here, who's actually one of my editors at Blazers, says she, I, I love Larry and he wants to take his kids to the Thorns game. And I think I think didn't he say he already took his daughters to the Thorns game? I just heard him say. I mean, I, I tweeted out some of the quotes like in real time, and so yeah. when you're tweeting out the quotes. It in blends real together. Time, you kind of missed stuff, but I just, I, I, maybe he already took her to games, but yeah. he did say like, he's a huge soccer fan and he wants to take his daughter. Maybe he already did. I don't know, but he's a Chelsea fan, which great. I don't, every time I, every year I say, I'm going to get into European soccer and then I just can't bring myself you to don't. get up at whatever. Hours. It's hard. Like it's going to be harder for him now coming from right. Cleveland to Portland. That's Those the biggest two hours, hurdle. man, it's, <laughs> you're going to be five the... now. <laughs> That's the biggest hurdle for it for me. I had it back when I was in college one year, I had a roommate who was from the Netherlands. And so he was all into like European soccer. And so he getting up to watch IX in the morning. He was always getting up at like four in the morning to watch different games. And I just, I, I, I'm too, at this point, especially now this point, I'm way too old to be doing that. You like that Sprague, a little, little pull from the, from the Dutch soccer league. I'm a big, uh, I'm a big Richmond fan. I think what Ted's doing right now is remarkable. (laughs) I hate you so much. I don't know anything about soccer. What am I going to add to this yeah, conversation? Um, right, let's kind of get into it. We're about 15 minutes in. People are starting to pile in now. We're up to almost 100 now. Um, what's your general takeaway from the press conference? And then we'll just kind of go person by person, Sean. So general 30,000-foot views, uh, and then we'll go into Neil, Chauncey, and and Chris. So I would say the two biggest takeaways or the three biggest takeaways, I think that are important for just kind of the average fan to, you know, take away from media day. One, 
I mean, this was I'm I just kind of business that needed to be gotten out of the way, but the whole team's vaccinated. So that's just yep. something like that. That's something that's being talked around about around the whole league. And that's just from the sound of it, that's just not something that the Blazers are going to have to worry about at all. So that's good. Everybody's vaccinated. Dame, I was I was very happy that Dame said something definitively about him thinking it's good to get vaccinated because we haven't really had that many superstars. I mean, say, any, you know, come has, out as has, has any superstar come out and said that Towns. Well, yeah, but Towns also like plays in Minnesota and isn't as visible. As, well, true, true. But like, and so somebody like Dame is like probably one of like the ten most famous guys in the league. So for him to come out and yeah. you know definitively say, "I got vaccinated because I wanted to protect my family," I think that's a good you know that I think that might go a long way to counteracting some of the stuff that we've seen from certain other guys on the other side of the of that discussion. So that I was I was happy about that. So that's good. I think Dame has never been more definitive than he is right now about wanting to stay in Portland, like going in obviously. And there was reason. And I I understand there's probably now going to be people who are saying, Oh, well, all this stuff was totally unfounded over the summer. No, no, no. No, During the, (laughs) during the Olympics. I mean, I know he was very upset after they lost in the first round to Denver, but also during the Olympics, whenever he did those media availabilities, when there were all the rumors about how he's going to ask for a trade suit, it was always, you know, he, he, when he came out, he never said, oh, I'm definitely staying in Portland my whole career. It was, I haven't made a decision one way or the other about what I'm going to do. Like that was kind of his line during the Olympics at all those different press conferences that he gave this time. I mean, he was talking about, you know, he kind of came into it from a question that somebody asked about uh, getting married. And he kind of used that as a metaphor for, you know, I stuck, I've, you know, I've been with my wife since we were in college. And so I'm, you know, I've stuck with this relationship. I've stuck with, you know, being on the Olympic team. And he basically came into this whole thing about, you know, he's, he finishes what he starts and he's not going to do something that's not him. I, I've, this is as definitive as I've heard him about wanting to stay in Portland his whole career. So I think a lot of fans who were maybe a little bit uneasy about where that stood, I, I think a lot of people should have their minds put at ease about that. I mean, now, obviously, they could miss the playoffs this year or lose in the first round again, and then we're right back to where we were and having that conversation again. But I think going in, there's no reason now to think that this is going to be something that people even talk about during the season. So I think that's the, mo- the, the most important thing. And then I think the other big thing is just – and I mean, I think a lot of this is just whenever – you've had the same coach for nine years and then there's a new coach that comes in who kind of has a different perspective and a different philosophy. Everybody seemed like they were a little bit refreshed by Chauncey Billups and kind of the different energy that he's bringing from, you know, Terry Stotts. And so that it seemed, it seemed like everybody was very positive about that. Yeah. I, I think going back to the, to the Dame stuff in general, I think you're right. As far as the, the whole idea of his commitment level right now, yeah. I think a lot of this has to do with, you look around the NBA landscape right now, packages for Damian Lillard uh, are going to gut a team. Car- yeah. Carmelo Anthony from Denver to New York type stuff. That's like, the exact thing. I I mean, I think a lot of the – I mean, it, it, it makes a lot of sense when you look around and just think about, like, how this summer maybe unfolded. I mean, everybody thought the Blazers should have won that series against Denver mm-hmm. with – Denver having a bunch of their guys injured, including Jamal Murray, that everybody felt like the Blazers should have won that series. And so they lose that series, even though Dame had one of the best playoff performances of all time in game five. And he's looking at it like, okay, what am I really doing here? If, if I have to do this and we still can't win a 
first round series <laughs> against a really a shorthanded team. team. Yeah. And then, you know, right on top of that, you have everything that went on with the coaching search and all the controversy around that, which we'll get to at some point. Cause I did ask a couple of people about that, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, that was a whole thing. And like, there were fans blaming Dame for, you know, his role in the, in the coaching hire with, you know, the allegations, what, you know, whatever the case may be. And so between those two things, I think I can understand Dame looking around and just being like, like, I need to go somewhere else, or I need to at least think about going somewhere else. And I need to, you know, I can, but then, you know, he wins, he wins the gold medal at the Olympics. He gets married. He puts his album out. Got him feeling he's just good. Kind of, he's kind of cool. I mean, he was, you know, I, it's all that to say, it was a very long winded way of saying he was very upset about everything that went on. Like, at the time but then as the summer went along he kind of cooled off a little bit and now you know i think the blazers did on paper get better from last season to this mm-hmm. i think larry nance is an upgrade over Derek jones jr i think i think cody that's the zeller, big one is i think is the larry zeller jr. Is, one really matters i think cody zeller is going to be an upgrade over ennis Cantor. i think that you know you look at those guys the guys that they signed they brought in individually i think they did get incrementally better now you can look at it and say is this really going to move the needle from them being a solid playoff team to being a title contender in the West? Probably not, but the team did get better. And I think between all of the good things that happened to Dame in the off season, like him getting married and him winning the gold medal and the team, yes, the team did get better. And he also, I think is kind of as much as he liked Terry Stotts, I think he's kind of feeling, you know, refreshed by like a change of scenery and a change of energy with there being a new coach in there. And it's also, you know, Chauncey being somebody that he also had a relationship with back, you know, going back to when Chauncey was still a player and Dame was kind of at the beginning of his career. They've Mm -hmm. had that relationship for a long time. I think Dame is more just kind of feeling like, you know what, I'm actually in an okay spot, at least for right now. Yeah, you know, I, I think those are good points, Sean. The one uh-huh. thing, my biggest take, well, I had a lot of takeaways. One, <laughs> I was pretty disappointed when McGowan stepped up and, and basically said that they're not looking to sell the team. I was like, damn it, I want a better owner than this. But, <laughs> what uh, else is he gonna, what is, what's he going to say, though? Well, I know. I, I'm not like, expecting him to say they're for sale. I just, that was my like, ah, oh, damn. Um, I, would t- I would tell you as far as the as far as that goes, I think that the most likely scenario is that in 2024, the new TV deal comes in and then Jody gets that windfall. I think that's when I would expect her to cash out. Yeah. So we're I, still talking about a few years from now that right. going to be status quo. Right. Um, you know, I think from the team angle, the Dame stuff I thought was really interesting because when you when you read the quotes, I don't feel like they match up to what his body language and facial expressions looked like. And what I mean by that is when he stepped up and it was immediately quick was the first question, I think, to say, how do you feel about the roster? And he kind of chuckled. I don't feel like he really gave us solid answers. Like in the term of he didn't sell me that he was really all that excited about the moves that they did or did not make. Now, I, I do think he'd agree with what you said, Sean, of they got incrementally better on paper. But I he's also got to be honest right did that did those moves make them a title contender in the west i mean barring injury i i don't know how many people would say yes to that so i didn't get a vibe that he was he viewed the offseason as a big success i think he would use it as this is just going to be a different journey with a new coach and i guess we'll just see how this plays out it was real reminiscent to me of first day back to school stuff i think he is excited i think he i think your point on what's the package for dame well, whatever it is, that team that he's going to is going to get stripped. And I think this is first day stuff. He sees all his guys, camp starts, the season's about to be here, the building's going to be full soon. Yeah. What's this going to be in February when it's cold, it's wet, and 
and they're seventh in the West and maybe they're on a losing streak. Is it going to be the same excitement? I don't know. So I think the Dame stuff was interesting because I did feel that rejuvenation that, Hey, it's not that bad here, but I also didn't get a vibe of he was all that enthused about what happened in the off season roster wise. Well, I'll have to go back and look at the video again. I only saw it in real time. So I'll have to, I'll have to go back and see if I agree with that assessment i definitely think there was some element of he kind of realizes that it just sort of is what it is and that whatever bigger yeah. the, the other part of it is yeah. also like i think dame is smart enough to know that the only really big move that they could make given what the roster is and what the salary cap situation is would be something involving cj and I don't know that Dame necessarily wants CJ. I mean, I think I think he would be okay with it if it was like uh, it w- whatever the trade was was for something that really like I think Ben Simmons he would probably be on board with or whatever you know something of that caliber. But all NBA CJ's caliber, still, right? Exactly. But you know, also at the same time, CJ is his guy, and like he's talked over time about he's never going to outright go and ask for one of his teammates to get traded because all of his teammates are his friends and he values those relationships. So he's not going to, you know, do, you know, make, you know, make he never wants anybody traded ever. No, 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 no. But so I think, I think he kind of realizes that the only thing to do is to, is to trade CJ. And also like, that's probably never going to happen. And also he's not sure if he wants that to happen. So I think he's kind of just sort of accepted what the situation is going to be. And at a certain, you know, his family lives here. He, his wife, his now wife, longtime fiance, now wife, just had twins earlier this year. So yeah. they've got kids. His whole extended family lives out here. Like, I think he's kind of just kind of, you know, realizing, you know, I've got it pretty good here. I'm going to get my jersey retired. I'm going to have a statue built for me. I'm probably going to have another street named after me around the, around the Rose Garden like Clyde Drexler and Jack Ramsey did. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. he might he might just feel like he's in an okay spot and and – Again, they could lose in the first round again, and then he just he looks around and said, "Well, I gave the new regime, I gave the Chauncey, the you know this current version of the roster a chance, and it's just not happening. Maybe we're talking about that again in a year." But for right now, I think Dame is, you know, I think he's all in as of right now. Sean, that's a hundred percent. I'll add, I agree with everything you just said there, and I guess that's my overall point is, I, it felt like more of a, I'm here. And basically, the deadline thing is not going to happen. People float that out, right? Like, is Dame going to get traded by the deadline? No, I think that was always insane. No, I know. I well, th- I just... He's also never like Dame is also the kind of guy where I don't think he would ever make that kind of demand during the season. Because I don't either. He yeah. knows that that would be something that then they would have to get asked about every day, and it would become a distraction. And that's the kind of thing that Dame has always been very smart about avoiding during his career. So I I think that if anything were to happen on that front, it wouldn't. And I said this at the beginning of this off season, when the noise kind of started to pick up my whole, my stance the whole time has been the earliest that anything is really going to happen here is going to be next, next off season. Yeah. Right. And I, that's my point is I think today he just reaffirmed to everybody. I'm all in. Let's see what the season's going to bring. Yeah. And this is the thing with, with Dame. I don't think anybody really um, is going to lose their mind. Uh, some people were, but about Dame wanting or demanding out at the, at the deadline or anything like that. That, that doesn't match who Dame has been his entire career. And right. you, you and I, Spray, we talked about this. It was one of the first things we talked about when we launched the podcast because it was yep. so prevalent in front of mind then. And we both said the same thing. Listen, if it's going to happen, it's going to be next summer. 
It's not going to be right now because the organization's in a position right now where they have to switch everything up. And for everybody uh, upset about the subscriber notifications, I removed it from this 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 screen. Sorry, got that, guys. You guys couldn't hear it because you're not uh, on it, but it was a really obnoxious like disco Christmas music for every like <laughs> for like five subscribers in a row. And I'm like I'm sitting here just like people who were watching it probably somebody going making very very stupid looks on my face because I was scrolling through all of the different sources that are in each of the different scenes trying to find which one it was. And I finally found out. I was like, oh god! But we got through like four of them in a row. It was like dun 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 dun. It's over the top of everything you guys are saying. So uh, sorry about that, guys. Um, but <laughs> thank you guys for subscribing all in a row. Uh, I appreciate you. If you haven't already, please like, rate, review, subscribe. Do all those things. Jack Ramsey's Blue Wire Podcast. Uh, Sean Hyken, Brandon Sprague here, uh, going over media day stuff. Uh, people want more disco Christmas. No, <laughs> we'll get we'll, we'll get the Jack Ramsey's official CD out later. The playlist, uh, but the get Dame to rap over the disco Christmas music. Ooh, that, that's a good that, call. That's a good co- that's a good collab. Brought to you by Abby's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this the general sense that I got from Dame was the thing that he liked was. Larry Nance Jr. being added to the team. I think that's a tangible yeah. thing where he was like, okay, yeah, no, I, I, I see where you're going with you. I, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down right now. Mm-hmm. The other stuff was just like, hey, listen, Cody's a nice guy. Cool. Tony's a nice guy. Cool. Ben McElmore, pretty jump shot. Cool. But in the grand scheme of things, doesn't matter. Larry Nance Jr., I don't know if he moves the needle enough for you to like really hone in on it, but He's is he definitely impactful? an upgrade? Yes. He's an upgrade over Derek Jones. I think that's pretty easy. But not yes. just even an upgrade, upgrade over Derek Jones. He's an upgrade in the area they probably need, or they, they need in the two things that they need the most, which is defensive versatility and playmaking. Those are the two things that they just have not had. They It just hasn't been there. Even in the LaMarcus era, the only guy that they had outside of the, the point guards was Nick. Batum was the only guy who was you know acting as that, that additional grease you know between the offense. While Mason Plumley was a, a, a nice passer, you know, further down the line, Lamarcus can make passes out of the post. Guys that take a step back and allow others to succeed. Nick was the only guy that that team has had on the, this franchise has had really in the last what seven years uh, that kind of fit that mold. So you could see Dame's eyes kind of light up, like, yeah, no, I, I could see that, and and Nance hit that on his press conference. But we'll we'll kind of dive into it now. Show needs a producer who is not poor Danny. No, Danny just needs to produce better. Uh, once we move into the studio here in the next couple of weeks, that'll that'll be changing. So uh, the professional the upgrades. Oh yeah, the, the studio is almost built out back, man. I've been uh, I've been now that I'm off the crutches. I've been I've Sprague's seen the pictures. I've been. It looks uh, good. It looks really good. Slowly you send me that. I need to get. Oh that yeah, exclusive. yeah I'll, I'll send you that. Uh, it's it's all built out. The insulation is almost all in. And what would normally take me a day. To do the insulation, it has taken me like two weeks because I can't move. <laughs> so it's literally cut a piece and then slowly drag it over there and put it up on the wall. It's it's a slow process, but yeah, it's uh, it's fun. But uh, let's dive let's dive excuse me dive back into the the press conference as a whole. Um, your thirty thousand foot of what we've kind of gone into, uh, kind of in our pocket. Let's start with Neil. Um, what was your Overall takeaway from Neil and then kind of go point by point from, from, you know, your perspective in the building. Well, I've never heard this from him before, but this is the deepest team of this era of, of, of <laughs> he's, 
<laughs> I think it's almost he's like he's obligated to say that every it is. year. He's, I, he that I didn't that. get it in the 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 Nilo chart is kind of disappointing. If I'm honest, if I'm being yeah, honest. that was that was an oversight. <sighs> I missed Sean, I, I missed like I, three. I want to believe that he has a note card somewhere on that press conference table, and it says, "Neil, tell them this is the deepest team this year." Like I feel <laughs> like he tells himself to tell you guys that. I think that's just an easy enough thing that you know, you, and, and every one of those years you can probably look at it on paper and say, yeah, I can see why somebody would say that. Like, it's not a completely ridiculous claim to make, I don't think, because, like, you know, given the, you know, the reputation that Robert Covington had around the league and also, you know, the reaction that people had to Derek Jones at the time was, oh, that's a, that's a nice mid-level signing. He didn't get a lot of minutes in Miami, but that's an athletic guy with some upside. You can understand why Neil would look at that and say, hey, look, we have the, this is the deepest team that we've had. Like, you can understand where somebody would, would say that, and it's not ridiculous. The year before, I mean, they, they, I, th I think everybody kind of thought that the white side thing was going to, or some people thought that the white side thing was going to work out a little bit better than it did. Maybe not Maybe not any of us on this on this <laughs> screen right now, but you can understand, again, every, every single one of these teams, you can look at them individually and say, I understand why somebody could say this was a deeper team than last year. Because they've gotten better, but it's because they started from a place that was so bad. Right. That, well, but that's, that just but, always ends up being the case. And I, I guess, yeah, that's that's where I was going to go with, like, I'm fine if you believe it, whatever. I can't change your mind on that. But doesn't it – it kind of reminded me when, uh, when Jason was, like, the definition of insanity. If you've lost four or five years in the first round, shouldn't you stop telling us how deep and talented the team is? Like, at what point does that become – you're just it's just fluff. It's just something to say to say it it's an easy talking point and nobody's going to be able to definitively refute it. And it's something that sounds good. So that's, I mean, th this is, this is kind of just what we've, what we've known from this uh, general manager the entire time that he's been there. He's all about winning the press conference. So I'm going to say something here that maybe will catch you both off guard. Okay. I thought this is one of Neil's best press conferences. Oh, I thought so. I mean, except I mean, he, didn't, he didn't say anything. So yes, it was one of his for, with, you know, with, with the exception of when I asked him about some of the reporting from yes. OPB and defector that has come out about the investigation into the allegations against Chauncey, not being maybe as thorough as they. And said. I understand why you want to ask that, Sean. I mean, I think it needs to be asked. He has not talked uh, since the Chauncey press conference yeah. back in June. And so stuff has come out about it since then. And he needs to be asked about it again. And he basically made a, it, it was basically a nicer version of that's proprietary. It was. And he did name you too. you asking that. He, Sean. He did name, yes. But, yeah. but I mean, he still basically no commented it. And then also Chris McGowan, when I asked him about it later on, he basically said all this stuff about how great Chauncey was and completely ignored that part of the question. So I didn't, I, I still, I still think that they haven't handled anything about that whole story very well at all. No, they but, haven't. But as far as the basketball stuff, I would agree with you that there's nothing in this Neil Olshay press conference that is going to cause people to just like slap their forehead. No, he they clearly rehearsed this. Mm -hmm. They 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 did their work, which I'm not saying that's a bad thing for anybody out there who's losing their mind. No. And here's this is what it's supposed to look like. We're supposed to sit here as media when it's all said and done and go, "Ah, there wasn't crap there." Like, that's genuinely – that's a successful press conference from the organization's point of view. You right. got out there. You marked what down what you need to say. You stuck to the script. The last two times that they have gone out publicly, they have gotten their ass handed to them because they did not stick to the script. Right, right. And they, and they got crushed, rightfully so, because they just – every time somebody opened their mouth, somebody else was putting a foot in it. 
And so from uh, overall effort standpoint, uh, they did well, at least in that in, in the basketball regards. Uh, they did have you know a, a good answer, obviously, on the, the vaccine side. That's not something anything's going to push back on. Obviously, not a great answer on the investigation stuff. Uh, the McGowan questions, which we'll get to in a little bit, were a giant word salad uh, as it pertains to both streaming options and current ownership. But otherwise... Kind of a nothing burger. Uh, I, I, I joked. I, I made the Neil O. Bingo charts uh, to kind of <laughs> to tick down uh, all of the different boxes of what you know, kind of to expect. And while he did hit him, he didn't have a bifurcate. He no. didn't. He didn't have a something so wildly outlandish. You're just sitting there like Neil. You got to be kidding me, man. No, there was so- no. There was no point where. He just randomly goes off on a tangent about how it's a false media narrative that they have three small guards. Yeah. (laughs) He had one point that he made during that. I'm trying to remember what it was. Can you tell me? I missed the very beginning. I was on a a, a business call, so I caught it late. I saw the quote. Did somebody really ask his relationship with Dame? And basically his answer was Dame got married and released an album. And Yeah. and that, that was it. That was it. No that was correlation. The it was like what? That's where he went a little off script. He he compared well, he was that. basically just he was at. I think I think he was asked like where he thinks Dame's head is at right now in oh, regards okay, okay. to in regards to. And again, I haven't gone back and listened to any of the audio. It's a little bit of a again. weird one though. He, you you had to reel it back in to kind of. He get basically where he was going. and he basically said, "Well, not to be glib, but Dame got married and won a gold medal." So like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, what does I got to do with your relationship? Well, no, I think it was more, I, I think the question, again, I have to go back and listen to it, but I think the question was more of like an overarching, like, what is, what is your sense of where Dame's head is at? And I think that was Neil's way of joking. Like, yeah, you know, Dame's had a pretty good summer. Yeah. Okay. He got married right. and won a gold medal. Oh, Neil right. did have one line that I remember what it was now. What uh, was it? The number one offense in the history of the league post trade deadline. <laughs> He did. Oh, he nice. did sneak that one in there. Yeah, I I'm that going through my going through my notes a... right now, and I'm like, "Where is it at? Where is it at? Where is it at?" Ah, there's the bad shit. Yeah, crazy. that's that's yeah, that's a that's, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> yeah. He snuck that one in me, but otherwise, otherwise they did did pretty well. And I'll say this uh, before we move into Chauncey, the narrative or the tact or whatever the plan was that they went in here, in my opinion. They did a very, very good job of not saying the C word. And by C word, I mean championship. They actively avoided saying championship over and Chauncey danced around championship. He was asked directly yeah. about championship. He was, he, asked, was, he was like, well, you know, you always want to shoot for that. Yeah. Yep. He would not say the word. And right. I, I, I just, just be about it. And because the last two years they've gone out and said, we're a title contending team. And then they got their asses handed to them. They, they've learned from that. Remember the, the big dinner they had in Lake Oswego? Where, oh, yeah. Where it, it, and it's like, why? why? You, you haven't earned that. You're, you're not a team that people are penciling in as a finalist. Stop that. Well, it was really the big, the big one was, you know, after they made the conference finals and got their asses kicked by the Warriors without Durant and Iguodala. Uh, then the next, you know, that, that was like, that was like probably the, you know, that, that exit interview was just a total victory lap, I think for Neil and that, cause remember he and Terry both signed their extensions like minutes before they walked in for their exit interviews. <laughs> and then that press conference or the media day, the following year, which was the, the year they brought in Whiteside and uh, who else was that? Bazemore. Bazonia. Yeah. 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 That was like, that was as positive as I've ever seen anybody. They were talking about like, look, we made the conference finals. Now we can win a title. 
and that just, just that was just not the case. Yeah, it it went it went sideways really quickly. Uh, somebody says uh, nobody penciled in the Suns last season as a finalist either. No, the Suns weren't going out there telling everybody they were title contenders either. That's the point. You, you, it's you, also you, not. You they also there. weren't a team that was on the kind of trajectory that you could expect would make the finals because they had not made the playoffs in 10 years. And it's not very, I mean, I know they had traded for Chris Paul and Chris Paul makes every team he's on better, but out of the playoffs of the finals is very unheard of. Basic. We're basically just talking about like the Celtics when they brought in Pierce or when they brought in Garnett and Ray Allen. And then I can't remember the last time that happened before that. It's, it's a once in a generation type. The Cavs, when they got LeBron back, like they, you know, sucked and then LeBron. Well, I mean, that's a totally, that's a totally different thing though. But again, it's the same kind of situation where you're talking about it. It just doesn't happen all that often. And those teams just, they don't, they don't act like that. Uh, Speaking of acting and and going about their business. uh, This is the first real basketball uh, press conference we had from Chauncey. It would, yeah. it was basketball, basketball, basketball. Even with questions yeah. about it, it was still that's. But for me, looking at that, they were a team, or they, they again, they were a team, kind of all on message, all on the same page. And yeah. I thought Chauncey, for the most part, acquitted himself pretty damn well. What was your general takeaway? Yeah, I mean, this is all very. Uh you know it's all very you know media day you know start of training camp everybody has the most optimistic possible outlook about anything but you know just taking everything that he said at face value you have to like what you're hearing about you know wanting to hold guys accountable by name and as he put it putting an address on it and the team wanting to get better defensively and you know it's all i mean it could end up all being lip service but those are what he's the things that he said were the things that you want to hear from a coach on the first day of training camp so it, again, he's never done the job before, so you, 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 it's going to take the whole season to see whether all of this comes yeah. true or not, or whether this is all just kind of lip service at the beginning of camp. But you know, from a pure basketball level and just taking everything he said at face value, you have you. There's not really a lot there not to like. Yeah, I feel. I feel like um, his year one is going to be interesting because the leadership quality, the being real with people quality, I think that's absolutely there. I also got a. Boy, oh boy, Scott Brooks, Roy Rogers is really going to be helping this coaching staff a lot this year and teaching Chauncey kind of the ropes of what a season uh-huh. is, is. You know, color me a little skeptical just in this regard. I First of all, Chauncey was fantastic. He, he strikes me as kind of a no-bullshit guy. Like, yeah. he's going to tell you how it is, and I love that. I, I, I do kind of need to see some of this before I go all, all in because the accountability thing, like when Dame and CJ were asked, it's like, yeah, uh, what does it mean to be accountable? It's to be accountable. It's like, okay, but if Dame is not helping on defense or his, his guy's getting right past him, like how accountable are we really going to hold the two big stars of the team? So I liked what I heard. I, I'll admit that, but need some to see the of practice. that stuff, I need to see that play out for 20 to 30 games before I fully invest into it. When you're... Yeah, I'm... Oh, no, go ahead, John. I just, I mean, this is all just very much, you know, give the, you know, the grade is an incomplete, you know, we haven't, yeah. he, he, we haven't seen what he's going to look like as a head coach, but it's all, I mean, it's all just, you know, got to wait and see. I found it pretty, uh, not, not, not necessarily odd, but it definitely stood out about his emphasis on the assistant coaches that he brought in, Scott Brooks, like the delineation of duties. Did you guys notice that? He was very much, Scott Brooks is my right hand guy to handle all of the administrative stuff. And then with something that hasn't been talked about a ton, Sprague, you and I have talked about this, is that Chauncey, as much as he's talking about accountability, defense, da 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 
He's relying on Roy Rogers to run the defense. It is not Chauncey Billups who is installing the defense. He is bringing the defense from Roy Rogers. And this is, I think, akin to what Terry Stotts did with uh, David Vanterpool, where he was the one who installed the defense and, and put that in. Um, but there's, I think there's just misconception of Chauncey is the, the defensive minded guy that's going to be responsible for this, that, and the other. I, I don't, and I think Chauncey kind of went out of his way to illustrate that. And Yusuf Nurkic did a little bit further as he started talking about Roy Rogers is the, what coaches are going to do and how, you know, how they're going to be utilized and what the expectations are. And, and they kind of, and typically I don't think you get a lot of the behind the scenes, so to speak of outside of the head coach because the head coach is the only one ever talking like we don't ever hear you know the previous administration we didn't hear from Tibbetts we didn't hear from Moran we didn't hear from Vanderpool they had great relationships with the players but you don't get that forward facing and Chauncey kind of just laid that out was that that catch you guys at all and how he did that no nothing oh yeah I mean I that that's something <laughs> sorry I thought I was gonna go no I um I absolutely that, that that popped to me I I couldn't remember the exact quote but the previous presser I know it went awry but it kind of I kind of got that vibe too it's like hey I'm I'm not this defensive guru guy even though I played for the Pistons and we won a championship because we had a nasty defense mm-hmm. so I, I think that you know the learning curve there I wanted to ask you Sean on the defensive part what is the number that like is acceptable for them they like they have to get to this ranking in defense for you for us to go yep definitely we're you know what i mean like you're making the right strides i was trying to think of this and obviously finishing last or near the bottom is not going to be acceptable but is it 20th is it 18th like i i didn't hear a number given and i don't know what that number is internally but i'm curious what they or how they measure it in terms of stacking up defensively within the league if you can get to like middle of the pack, like 15 to 18 and the offense stays as good as it's been, then I think they're in okay shape. Yeah. And then they, uh, was it Larry that came up there and he was talking about where, you know, a top three ish offense and we get to a middle of the pack defense or a top yeah. 10 defense. That's... He was the one that really laid that out. And I would agree with that. Yeah. And that's the thing is if, if all of those things hit, yeah, you've got yourself a hell of a team, but you're relying on a lot of things that haven't hit, for 10 years to all of a sudden hit and it's like eh, a few of those a few of those hitting yeah for sure well how do you how do you guys think the accountability thing is going to go with the two defenders that we all know and we can't say their name out loud because it's blasphemous but like i'm curious <laughs> how you guys view the accountability part of this because it really is going to start with them truly buying in is it not oh 100 here i've got a, 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 a particular question for you sean okay i, I think what irked Yusuf Nurkic and some other guys, as we have heard, as far as the accountability, was um, more than maybe Dame got a free pass. Because I think every team in the in the NBA has a star who gets an offensive burden that they get the understanding is, yeah, they do get a bit of a pass because of the sure. offensive workload, regardless of what system you run. Right. Like Even Giannis takes plays off. Joel Embiid takes plays off. When you have that burden, you're allowed a pass. Mm-hmm. But I think that maybe that pecking order of passes went beyond Damian Lillard and to CJ McCollum, to Ennis Cantor, to Carmelo Anthony, and went to the veterans uh, and the younger guys who I think Nurk kind of fell in that because he's, even though he was a veteran, he's not a near 30 veteran last year. 
um, and he hasn't been somebody they could count on with his injuries. I think he was chastised. I think you had Ant. I think you had Nas. I think you had basically everybody but that that group of four guys really kind of get some accountability falling off their backs. I think that's kind of what they were alluding to. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Is, is, did you get that kind of feeling at all, or am I just talking out of my ass here? I don't know if that's a feeling I got specifically from the press conferences today, but I don't think you're completely off base there that – guys besides Dame were maybe getting the Dame pass. And I don't know whether that stems from just like all of those guys were so comfortable with Terry that Terry wasn't really going to hold them all accountable in the same way, or, you know, how much of it was just, you know, emanating from the top of the organization. We all know how highly Neil views CJ and we all know how, you know, how highly he views, you know, a lot of these other guys besides Dame that maybe that was going to be the, uh, the, the route that they would go. I kind of think that this this is where Chauncey, having been a player at as high of a level as he was and having been on a, a defense-focused championship team and having the red pedigree as a player that he had, I think there's a chance that that resonates with guys, and especially with Dame, because you know we, we know that Dame has a relationship with Chauncey. You know he's somebody that he respects and looks up to as somebody who played the same position it's going to hit differently when it's somebody like that talking to him about you need to be better on defense than it is somebody like Terry Stotts, who for as much as Dame likes Terry, Terry was not an NBA player. Terry was not somebody that, you know, he could relate to from personal experience. So I think there is something to be said for that. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Um, real quick, just, uh, thank you for everybody coming in. We got about 150 across all the platforms right now. Uh, appreciate y'all stopping by. I'm going to put the link for the pod in there for whatever platform you're on. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. Jack Ramsey, if you haven't already subscribe to the channel here, don't worry. These stupid notifications have been turned off, uh, and they will never, ever, ever come back when we're going live because <laughs> that's a nightmare. Um, like rate review, subscribe, follow at hiking at Brandon's break at Danny Morang on social media. Uh, we've got Sean Hyken here from Bleacher Report. Obviously, my co-host Brandon Sprague from 1080 The Fan, uh, six to nine in the morning. And me, I don't, I don't do anything anymore. I just do this. So, 
Well, Danny, uh, imagine being as cool as Sean, where your your handle is just hiking. It's just your last name. There's nothing else involved. I've told the story before. I had to fight to get it. Oh, you did? Yeah. Did you have a squatter? When I, back when I worked, so there was a there was a squatter. There was somebody who had had that account since 2010, and they had like zero tweets and were following zero people. And back when I was at USA Today, back I want to say this was like seven or eight years ago. I had to get the social media editor at USA Today who, you know, you know, all, all these big media companies have somebody at Twitter. That's how like they get their journalists verified and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I had to be like, Hey, this handle that I want is inactive. Can you talk to whoever your person is at Twitter and get it and, and get that for me? And then they ended up being able to do that in like a day. So, See, yeah. I need to make that happen. There's somebody sitting on, on at Danny Morang on IG. So it's just at D Morang on ig and they haven't used it or done anything with it in ig years. is a lot more of a you know opaque process i think than twitter is it took i i ended up it took me forever to get verified on instagram even though i had a even though you know instagram is owned by facebook and i had a professional page on facebook that was verified i don't use it anymore because i don't use facebook anymore but like you gotta do it for the olds buddy good for you so, Good for I, you. No, I deleted my Facebook account like a year ago, and I have not even once. It has not occurred to me to check. Yes, it. but two like, years haven't looked back. But, but anyway, I figured that because I had a verified Facebook account, it should be pretty easy to transition, get right? Yeah. On Instagram, and it just wasn't. It, it even like I hit up my editors at BR and was like, "Hey, you know, you guys obviously probably have contacts at these social companies. Can you get me verified?" And for the longest time, even they couldn't because just no. It, it's just super random how they do it. But then eventually, my editor emailed me. This was maybe like a year ago. My editor emailed me and said. Hey, are you still, have you ever found any way to get verified on Instagram? And I said, no. And he was like, well, good to know. And then like a day later I was verified. So he must've found a way to make it happen. But <laughs> I, I need to find a way to get the squatters off mine. That's what I've come. That's I, I need this to happen. Um, so she said, Facebook sucks uh, from tracking GP. That's great. That's a good call. Good call. Um, yeah. But here, the overall tone of the press conference i think was kind of it, it was what it was as far as neil and chauncey um on message um yeah. i think in general they, they did a good job yeah. uh they they communicated what they needed to communicate they didn't do it did you have anything brandon that was like well what the not, hell not, no 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 not really from them i mean i'm, I'm always naturally going to be skeptical of this organization in this era for obvious reasons yeah. so it's kind of a prove it i was more curious of all the people that talked today I know Dame was going to give us good stuff. I was really curious to hear Nurk. I really wanted to hear oh, Nurk. Yeah. There's a lot of conversation about Nurk. And he was wound up. Chance is going to use him and how he's buying in now. And, you know, I really wanted to hear his explanations or his thoughts on his role and the way this is all going to shape up during the season. So that was the one I was most looking forward to of everybody today. Okay. Let's let's hit on McGowan real quick, and then we'll go right into Nurk because I okay. think we'll, we'll spend a ton of time on Dame. Um the McGowan stuff mostly had to do with the streaming options. Yeah. Uh, general thoughts. Uh, not not great, Bob. Uh, I, I, the the Twitter feed and and the comment sections were blowing up pretty quickly. Guys, guys, not happy. Well, I, I I have a lot of people in my life who are big Timbers fans who have been screaming about how terrible uh, the that you know that the, the situation is at their at their new. Local that they're currently dealing with yeah for a long time so i mean for me personally i have cable so i'm not really like it, this doesn't really no. affect me at all but i i certainly feel for people who 
had you know cut one chord here well right i mean i'm just i the 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 chord cutting thing is so funny to me because like well it's over now well i and i under i understand i mean i'm I'm not talking i'm talking about even just before this i'm talking about just in general like there's all of the you know these things like oh the you know if you just subscribe to this streaming service and this streaming service you know you're you're going to save money you're not going to have to get cable but at a certain point they all add up to so much they they, to at a point where like it's not even cheaper than getting cable so at that point you might as well just get cable I don't no. think I'll ever go away from cable as much as I hate dealing with Comcast and everybody hates dealing with their cable provider. It's still, it's got, it's to the point where the other options aren't even cheaper if you're trying to watch live sports, which is the main thing I watch on TV. So yeah, I think like if, you're, if you just, if you there. just watch, if you just watch TV shows and you're not a sports person, in which case there's probably no reason for you to be watching this stream right now but if you're but uh, we appreciate you and please well, like yes, and but subscribe. If, you're, if you're just somebody who watches tv shows then you can just be like okay well i'll just get netflix and hulu and hbo and, call Max, and then i'm good yeah. but if you're watching anything that requires anything live to me there's never been you know a an, good solution upside to upside to getting one yeah. of this you know the, the cord cutting services over cable so it, it was great at one point like because i i did it a few years ago and i i really liked it and then to your point, like pricing, like YouTube TV now is 80 bucks. FUBU TV is 80 bucks. You could call and you Comcast. still have to get Comcast for your internet. internet so you and might gonna, as well just bundle right. it if you're in it. And that's going to be more money. If I, I hate that this has turned into a, a commercial for Comcast, but, like, <laughs> but like, I don't know. That's just, that's just where I come down on it. It's just, it's, it's easier to just get cable than deal with all these different streaming. You're a hundred percent right. I'm paying 80 bucks right now. And then my, my internet is 80 bucks. And I'm like, my brother just got, full like every channel on comcast he got yeah. internet for 140 i'm like i'm paying 160 what just happened here i yeah. went from cord cutting to losing money oh well, you yeah. could be like me and work for the company and not get that great of a deal so well can we be honest about something here if you want to trot out and talk about the business aspect of life i was curious about the concerts and stuff it's not mm-hmm. that big deal but don't they try waited out. too long. They waited too long to man to require vaccines i had i'm just that's a personal gripe that i have i had oh, tickets for sure I had tickets for Guns N' Roses about a month ago and I decided and I, I bought the tickets in like mid-July when it seemed like, you know, cases were going down and it was probably going to be fine. The concert happened to be right at the height of like the Delta surge when every, mm-hmm. when it seemed like things were getting really bad again. I just decided not to go. And then like the next day they said, oh, in two weeks, we're going to start requiring vaccination proof for any event at the Rose Garden. And I was just like, you guys couldn't have done that two weeks ago. So I could have gone to the GNR show. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, if you're going to do a press conference and answer questions, maybe not do it if you don't have an update on streaming, like to be like, well, we'll give you more updates in, uh, later. It's like, but yeah. this is what this press conference is for. I think it's more just that this is the opportunity for somebody to talk. If you're him, the last time McGowan talked before this was Media Day in 2019. It's been a while. It's been, well, I think it's just, it's more just like, we have everybody here for the press conference. Let's just get this one out of the way. By the way, Chris other, is here. Yeah. We're never going to hear from Jody, are we? Oh, no oh God, no. No chance. No. And speaking of, that's a great transition from the radio host. Uh, Chris's comments on ownership. The team is not currently up for sale. And uh, what was the other one? Uh, we have the full full support of Jody. She's very involved. Long term, long term. Long term. Uh, I I believe that we'll we'll. If I can find a futures bet where I can have say that this team is sold by twenty twenty five, I will take it. I will I will take it and run. 
well, 2024, I think, and I said this, I think, earlier in the stream. I don't remember if I said this when we were on the air or not, but 2024 is when the next is when the national TV deal is up for renewal. And it seems like they're going to get another huge payday. From it sounds ESPN, like it's going to be enormous from ESPN and from Turner. And maybe yeah. they get maybe they get like Google or Amazon or one of these streaming only companies involved. This and time. you're probably looking at expansion at that point, too. Sure. Yeah. So they're gonna. So there's gonna be a huge payout from, the, from that stuff probably in about three years. And so if you're Jody, you hang on for three more years. The team is gonna still sell out. They're still gonna. It's gonna basically be status quo for right now. Dame is still engaged and wants to be here. So as long as you have a guy of that caliber, you're still gonna sell tickets. You're still gonna sell jerseys. You're still gonna make plenty of money. So you, I think, yeah. if you're her, you hang on and then once that that new tv deal comes in you get the payout from that and then you cash out on the team and i think nba teams are still going to be worth about two billion by then so she can really cash out probably in about three years that would be my guess for how that goes down that's kind of the same feeling that i'm gonna have as soon as as soon as the expansion fees the new tv deal comes through that's they're gonna be out which hey if they want to do them great i i want somebody here for the long haul i want somebody probably do the same thing if i were in their position if you it's like you hang on to this for three it's not like it's not like they're losing money right now. They they still sell out the arena. They still they still came play. out ahead during COVID. Like yeah, so, so like they, it's a money printing you know, machine. You, you hang on to this for three more years, then you're gonna <laughs> yeah. get a huge payday. Then you can also still cash out for the same money that you'd get for it right now or more. That's probably what I would do as well. Yeah, that's it, all found money for her too. That's not yeah. any of that money wasn't something she got. You know what I mean? Like no. that was her, it was her brother's team. Good right, good work right. if you can find it. Uh, yeah. Speaking of good work. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic wants to put in more work in the post, and his coach is basically all but guaranteed it. Um, there was a quote that Nurk had where he said, so Dame or CJ will have three or four points less apiece, uh, but I'll be more involved. I'll have more passes. Um, when we're talking about that accountability, that's kind of what I was gearing up for was this this Nurk point. Um, what happens if Nurk doesn't get all these touches he's been promised? You know, I, 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 if there's a guy on this team that's good, is is the 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 boiling point? It's not Dame, it's not CJ, it's Nurk, and he's got his contract I was coming saying, up too. Contract year, clutch, new <laughs> coach, all mm. these promises. Like everybody keeps pointing to Dame, pointing to Dame, pointing to Dame. Make sure Dame's happy. Well, that's entirely true. I think it's easier to satiate and and keep Dame on the level than it is Yusuf Nurkic. I mean, how about with with Nurk? I mean, I obviously it would you know it would be great if Nurk has you know the kind of year that he wants to have. But how about Nurk a stay healthy mm-hmm. and b not foul out in like fifteen minutes in a, in every playoff game before demand like demanding like I have to have this many touches. Yeah, and go ahead, Brandon. I was just gonna say I I that's kind of my thing is like I obviously can see the value that he brings. I just find this entitled kind of approach odd like after what he just went through in the playoffs do you did you watch what happened this is all the the stuff i think that and and for for all the talk of you know wow he's changed so much since the denver days when you know the the thing with with, with his role compared to Jokic was like something that there was tension about this is all just kind of the same stuff and i think for a while because dame is such a great leader and because dame took him under his wing like they could kind of paper over it a little bit but it seems like it's all just kind of still there. Well, yeah, I mean, take a look at this. He talks about Dame, Babo, his guy, all of this stuff. Yeah. But he's also in the same breath saying Dame's going to get a few less shots because mm-hmm. this is about me right now. 
And I'm not going to step on anybody's willingness or want to get more money, to get more touches, because that's how you get paid in this league. Very, 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 very few people get paid on things outside of scoring and playmaking. A couple of guys get paid defensively. That's it. It's a small list because those are replaceable. Shot creators and playmakers are the most valuable thing in the NBA. And so if you show you can do it, you can get paid. So I get where Yusuf Nurkic is coming from because I think we're all in agreement right here. This is Nurk's one and only chance for a legit payday, right? Yeah. He's clearly not happy with the contract that he has now, as we have seen going back. And, you know, the the agency that he's with is known for getting guys paid. And so I think he wants some of that for himself. And But again, this is kind of a prove-it year for him. He needs, like I said, he needs to A, prove that he can stay healthy, which has been an issue for him throughout his, the last several years, and B, that he can be counted on in the playoffs. And you just, you saw, I mean, he was super impactful when he was on the court during the Denver series, but he got in foul trouble so much that, you know, him not being able to be on the court as much as maybe he should have been able to be. And, you know, that was one, I don't think it was the reason, but it was one of the reasons why they lost that series. Well, Sean, I I would ask Nerlens Noel how he feels about that agency today, (laughs) but that being said, uh, you know, lawsuits aside, do you guys you think just, Dame, you think you think you think Nurk can do Dame a solid and finesse an Adele collab for his next album? Oh, there hey, you go. That would be fantastic. I mean, um, maybe let me just ask you guys a basketball question then. So he wants more touches, he wants more points, he wants to get paid. I get it. Mm-hmm. It's gonna come with less Dame, less CJ, less everybody, really, if that's to happen. Which is, is not exactly what you typically see. I, well, is that is that is that better basketball? Just from a basketball sense, is that better for them as a team? Yeah, it is because Dame's usage rate is, is historically high. CJ's is not exactly far off, but in but this, you're also relying on Nurk to finish better and to stay out of like not just that to rely on him more. The big if thing he for, can hold up his end of the bargain, I think it's a good thing. But even even if if you take all of this away, if you're just talking just straight math, you're talking about a guy in his prime willingly giving up something that he has shown throughout his entire career he is not willing to give up. Right. Damian Lillard, his, his usage rate has increased, and he's taken on more burden. I think he trusts guys, but to an extent. I think when you drop a 50-plus point playoff game in one of the most obscene playoff games ever, and you're looking around and nobody else is helping, that's not going to help the trust factor. I think that, that those things hit, and... For as much as we talk about, well, if just James just does this, and if CJ just does this, and Covington does this, it's all Terry's fault. It's like, no, guys, it's not. Because it comes down fundamentally to the players. If Dame wanted to get Nurk more touches last year under Terry Stotts, do you, does anybody with any bit of rational thinking think in their brain that Damian Lillard couldn't have gotten Yusuf Nurkic more touches? No. Nobody thinks that. No, nobody in their right mind thinks that. And everybody wants to say, oh, it's all Terry's fault. No, these guys got to where they are doing what they have done well. And what Dame has done well is be that lead pick and roll guy, be that high usage guy. CJ McCollum has done that and been incredibly efficient as a mid-range shot creator and three-point shooter. As good as Nurk is, he has not risen to that level for any sustained period to build that trust. Otherwise... I think Terry bore this out over the years. If you showed you could deliver consistently, what did you get? You got to see the ball. But if you didn't, er, that leash got short. 
I don't know. That's when I when I look at this, I'm I would love to so see where's this, it going? Be, this better where? brand of basketball. But like yeah. you said, Sprig, I've got to see it. I don't I don't think it's just this magical cure of Chauncey. I think you've got to get to the players, and Chauncey is a part of that, but you have got to get the players to buy into a big, big change. So Sean, wouldn't you say this is a it's a bit of a danger zone, right? In the where is this going if he's not getting those touches? Like how soon into the season are we going to hear from Nurkic being a little unhappy? And he's not the kind of guy that has the kind of standing to really like to do that because like what are his like if he if he goes in and like he's not happy with his role, he asks for a trade. It's not like like what's his what's his trade value around the league? It's probably not that high. I, I've asked around because, this. It's, it's decent, but it's not. Well, sure, but also then the the other thing then you would have to keep in mind is that whoever trades for him is going to have to pay him whatever he wants to get paid next summer. Yep. And again, given and the Portland needs a big back in return, which limits the windows. Right. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. I mean, I'm very interested to see how this plays out. I could, and I know that you know the message from the organization is just how excited he is about his new role and how great of a relationship he has with Chauncey already. But you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Here's the thing, uh, a question that just came in here, which I, I've been asked this a few times. I don't think we've ever really talked about it. Uh, this is from Mike Terry. Is it a surprise that Terry Stotts is still unemployed? Well, I think there are just not, I mean, the, the way that the job stuff shook out, what I had heard, and I think, Dan, you probably heard this also, is that if Brooklyn had beaten Milwaukee in the second round, they were going to fire Budenholzer. Yep. And Rick Carlisle was probably going to get the Bucks job. And that would have left the Indy job Open up for Terry. For and Terry. he was kind of seen as the front runner for that job. Because but he spent once, some time in Indiana. And, well, right. Yeah. And I think they, they wanted, you know, an experienced coach. And they wanted somebody who, you know, had, had playoff experience and was, you know, established. And, like that was and they the, wanted after, somebody who was friendly with the players. Right. And, the, and after the whole Nate Bjorkman thing, they yeah. kind of wanted to go in the opposite direction. But then when the Bucks won that series and the Bucks job and their job did not come open, then I think Rick Carlisle, you know, instead jumped at that indie job. And that just Terry didn't want to coach in Orlando. <laughs> I actually just listened to Terry about a, Terry about a week ago was on Sarah Spain's podcast yep. yes. on ESPN. Yes. And he basically first of all, he's getting paid for two more years. Yeah, so he's, I think he's, he's just and of, he's getting paid very well. Yeah, and I haven't I haven't talked to him super in depth. Like we've texted a little bit over the summer, but not but just kind of like, hey, how you doing? Not anything super in depth. I get the sense that he's he does want to be a head coach again, but he's not going to take an assistant job just to take an assistant job. He's getting paid the next couple of years regardless. I think he won four hundred I mean, games and coached yeah. for nine years and went to the, they made the playoffs finals. eight out of nine years. And Let's not act like he's yeah. a bum. Yeah, yeah, it's for everybody out there that wants to like. Terry has his faults and he has his flaws. Yeah. Nobody here is going to argue that, but he's it also just ran, better it than ran its course. I mean, it's not very yeah. often that somebody is an NBA coach is in the same place for nine years. I think the idea that they should have, that they needed a fresh voice and he, he had just kind of run his course. Yep. I think that's totally legitimate. Do I love the way they handled the coaching search? No, but no. that's a totally different discussion. Well, Sean, I mean, they had a coaching search, but before they even started, all names were thrown out there. They hadn't even talked to anybody yet. What, what are you talking about? What's funny is those same names that, that, that were out there were out there in February before Terry was ever fired. Weird. That's, that's really crazy weird. how that works. All of the many, all the many candidates that there were. <laughs> uh, there the, the two people that we had heard. There was definitely more than yeah. one candidate right. that, that was ever actually seriously in the running for the job. Yeah, it right. was... Uh, it was one of those things where it's it is what it is, and so you it just remind, it down. honestly reminds me of when I was covering the Bulls and they they fired Tom Thibodeau and 
John Paxson and Gar Foreman sat there at the press conference after they fired him and said, we're going to go undergo a national coaching surge and leave no stone unturned and leave, have a wide variety of And it's somebody money. they've known for 20 years. And then like 48 hours later, Woj was reporting the years and money on Fred Hoywood's contract. And it, had been, <laughs> and it had been like the worst kept secret around the league for the past year that he was going to be their guy. By the way, it's somebody we have had close ties to and with the franchise for 20 years. Enjoy. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I thought that was kind of an interesting question. Is 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 one of those things? Um, overall, uh, Nurk's press conference I thought had the the spiciest tone to it. Mm-hmm. You could tell Nurk is not a guy that uh, Trout really hides things. He kind of wears it on his sleeve, so to speak. Is that 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 tracks? I think right. Yeah. When he was talking about some things, the 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 feeling that I got with that accountability thing was there's some guys that aren't in this locker room anymore. Um, that is going to make things a little bit easier as far as establishing a pecking order that makes sense. Hello, Mello. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anybody's going to argue that, that he upset the apple cart, particularly with non-Dame CJ guys, because in the pecking order, it went Dame CJ Mello, and a lot of guys behind him were sitting there wondering why is the 17-year vet who does nothing but take bad shots and, and good threes getting that, that pass. And I think that's Carmelo Anthony, (laughs) but I'm not going to argue that, but I think that pissed a lot of guys off in the locker room. And I think that's, that's something that is, if you're looking for like a tangible changing attitudes outside of Terry Stotts gone, I think there being a pecking order that nobody's going to argue with is, is actually a pretty big deal. Does does that, does that track? Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think if, you slot it right now, it's Dame, CJ, Nurk, which I think more people can get behind. And then you have discussions about, is it Ant? Norm. Is it Norm? Is it Zeller? It's you know. probably Norm, considering how much money they pay. It's true. Norm, right? It's true. Norm's it deal out. Norm. It, is, it is Dame, CJ, Nurk, Norm. Then you're, the competition is now for that fifth spot. Is it Covington? Is it Ant? Is it Nance? You know, who? who and I, I think what they did. Ben McLemore? <laughs> I think what I they mean, did, CJ did say he has one of the prettiest jump did. shots of all time. And, and Dame did want to bring him in. So <laughs> Hey, did did you guys uh, this is one of those like stupid media guy throwing something out with no, nothing no. to it, bag it. Did you catch there was a quick second, Sean? Dame dropped a uh I think he was asked about the roster or, or something, and he he kind of dropped a with Pat here. And I, I was wondering, like, did you just let the cat out of the bag that Patrick Patterson is going to be the guy that they're going to ultimately end up picking because Chauncey seemed to really like Patrick Patterson. Well, too, because they was, a, he was with the Clippers. Clippers. Right. But he seemed to like really emphasize he's a good locker room guy. You know, he's good presence. And I'm like, well, they're it, not going to go that way. Right. It too. Pat is well liked. I'll say that he is well liked. Yeah. I also, and this is uh, something that my buddy, Eric Gunderson has been saying as a theory and this is something you can all keep your third eye open should i say should i draw the third eye on right now yeah keep shout out bulls versus blazers shout out to the family keep your third eye open about this (laughs) all of these quote-unquote name guards that are being brought into training camp whether that be dennis smith jr or quinn cook or uh there's a there's a third one i forget but like whether you know these guys that are like guys you've heard of that are you know, backcourt players yeah. that are being brought in to compete for those spots. That's so that they can say that there was a competition for the backup point guard and Ant won it. That's I, I totally buy into that it. 100%, 100%, 100%, I'm into it. 100% that 100% I'm into it. Yeah. I was just wondering when you were starting to talk, I'm like, 
Is he going to say that this is really to just elevate Ant and how good Ant has gotten, which maybe he has, but I, I love that you went I there. mean, I love that Neil, Neil is very bullish on Ant. He declared him this backup point guard before last season. That trend is continuing. I've heard it, from, from folks that Chauncey I've, and Brooks are both in the same camp. The idea that you the idea that you can say, hey, look, we brought in uh, Dennis Smith Jr., former lottery pick, Quinn Cook, NBA champion with the Warriors, and they beat them both out in training camp. That's going to give it legitimacy. Mm-hmm. Just keep your third eye open. Yeah, no, that... I'm all in. He, I'm, I'm here. He's I'm more here. of a towel waver. He's he's really not a, a a guy you can put on the floor anymore. I mean, who Patterson? Yeah. T- listen. hundred percent. Two pets. I have heard nothing but great things about him as a dude. Like well liked everywhere he's been. It's weirdly. I, I heard him compared as stupid as this is going to sound because so many people hate him now publicly, but I've heard him compared to Kendrick Perkins because Perk is Perk is very well liked as a locker room. Yes, guy. beloved as a locker room guy. I have heard the same thing about Patterson. So, and then he betrayed Kevin Durant's trust on national television, and it was over. Oh, a little bit of money will do that to you. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of how it goes. Um, this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. All right, Dame. Dame's press conference, I think, was as, as weird as um, it was to say that it was one of Olshay's best. I thought Dame was a little off kilter at a couple times. Did you guys get that sense at all? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of my point is... I. I think Sean, when he opened up the the stream and saying like his commitment to Portland, I'm a hundred percent with him, but I I'm just the, it's a vibe thing. And I know that's a very third eye kind of stupid vibe check. thing to say. <laughs> I just got a real relaxed, like, I'm just going to play my basketball and we'll see what happens this year. And then I will address what my future is. Like, that's kind of the energy that I got from him. He's happy to see his guys. He's happy to be out there running. It's cool to get a new voice and kind of work with Chauncey to see how that goes. But I don't know. I don't feel like there's the expectation as much as, as we mentioned, right. They didn't use the word championship stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I think he's just going to kind of go into this carefree. He's going to be Damian Lillard and he's going to be beloved. And if they come up short, I'm not going to be stunned at all. If he's like, Hey, I got to go win a ring here. I, I can't go ringless. I th- honestly, I think that if there's anything to what you're saying, Brandon, yeah, th- that a lot of what this press conference was, was Dame, saying a lot of this out loud almost to talk himself into it as much as anything because i think he kind of realizes that the situation is what it is yeah and so he's kind of saying it out loud by saying like well you know this you know we're you know we i do think we got better i really like the larry like basically trying to go through like all the positives just kind of out loud almost to reinforce it to himself i can kind of see where you're coming little woosaw action there was there was a point where when he was talking about the roster where he was asked, you know, is he happy with the roster? And Dame usually, you know, dives in and he comes right, boom, 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 and lays it out. And he kind of danced around it, which I don't think I'm reading too much into it to say that more than anything, when he looked at this, like you said, Sean, I think he was trying to convince himself of it, like kind of reaffirm it out loud. But he also used some lines that looked like they were straight off of Neil Olshay's notebook. 
he he dropped the uh, the trade. You know, when you take a look around and uh, you really assess the market, and it takes two to get a deal done. It was like you close your eyes and you're like, does does Neil have a Dame puppet? Like it was it was <laughs> it was crazy because it didn't sound like Dame. It it, it did not sound like how he talks and i just there's like, definitely some like towing the company line a little bit yeah and it but was dame i think is the thing the thing is like i i think there's something to that but dame is also he wouldn't say anything like that if he didn't also believe it i think yes. dame had i think dame has enough of a track record at this point that he's not really a bullshitter and he's not gonna say something that he totally yep. doesn't believe and he also and that's is, the thing though he he look he knows what that market would look like when we talked about the entire the the, the idea yeah. of trading damian lillard and yeah. how he realizes you know if i did go somewhere else i'd be on an island just in a different market well that's that's the thing i, mean, I think the last column that i wrote about this whole situation during summer league or you know right right after the olympics and i will have something coming out on this whole on they probably focus more on Dame later tonight or tomorrow on BR. So just, you know, just, that's just a little plug for you there, but, uh, plug away, my friend, he, hold on. I just, I just forgot what I was about to say. <laughs> uh, yes. He derailed. He, he knows, I, I think, I think Dame is smart enough to know, you know, what the situation is. He knows that the situation isn't going to change. He also knows that, and and I think the difference. I I mean, we just kind of have to take him at his word at this point that he wants to be in Portland, and that if he really wanted to be traded, he would, you know, come out and say that, or he would, you know, he would do that. And I think the difference between him and somebody like James Harden or Ben Simmons is that Dame doesn't really have the stomach to be the bad guy. He doesn't have people not like him. And so I don't know if he even, let's say, you know, at the end of this season, you know, they lose in the first round again and the same noise starts up again. I'm not entirely convinced that he would go through with asking for a trade then, because I still think there's a part of him that has seen the backlash that other guys have faced for forcing their way out of certain situations. And he's basically built his entire brand on being the loyal guy and being the guy yeah. that stayed and being the guy that isn't joining a super team. And whenever he's asked about it, he says, you know, I'm, you know, I've never, I'm not going to ever say anything that I can't stand on, or I'm going to stand on whatever I decide, like all, all this whole thing. I think the term that he used for it was like, I'm going to die on my shield. Yeah. He, that he's, that he, 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 he brought that up a couple different times. That that a, yeah. That, yeah. That was a new one. And I think Dame is, we're going to get some shield point, Dame, Dame eights here soon. I'm sure. Dame is also, you know, he's been doing this long enough. He knows how heavily scrutinized all of his stuff mm. is. He didn't have to go this hard if he was really in the back of his mind thinking about maybe at some point I'm going to ask for a trade. He didn't have to do the Instagram post the other like a week ago saying Rip City is my city. He didn't have to put the interlude on his album where he was talking about how much he respected Kobe's loyalty to one franchise. I'm not saying that all rap music is autobiographical to the artist, but Dame knew that this album was coming out at the exact time that this noise was starting about him. He did not have to put that on his album if he's it smart. wasn't the way he felt. He, you know, he's smart enough and the people around him as far as like his agents and his reps and all and all of them are smart enough to yep. know that everything he does is going to get scrutinized. And so a lot of this stuff, I think, I mean, we are at this point, we just kind of have to take him at his word that he's all in. 
I just want to thank everybody for coming in. We've had anywhere between 150 and 180 kind of coming and going uh, on the live feed. So thank you all so very much. Uh, we've got Sean Hyken here from Bleach Report, obviously Danny Morang, Brandon Sprague. And uh, reviewing Media Day, we've kind of covered pretty much everybody as far as the big major players. Uh, I think it's time to dive into uh, CJ McCollum, but if you haven't already, uh, please like, the, uh, like rate, and review uh, the show, uh, the live stream here. And if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, Jacked Ramsey's Blue Wire Podcast Network. Uh, if you can, leave us a review. Uh, that would be fan, fan freaking tastic. Uh, that's the uh, kind of what help, helps elevate on iTunes. So, uh, but thank you all for being here. CJ McCollum went up there and spent five minutes talking about absolutely nothing. Uh, one of the more impressive things I've ever seen. Uh, the one thing I took away from it was uh, hey, by the way, CJ is married, owns a vineyard, has a kid on the way, and now he's president of the MBPA. He's mm-hmm. doing pretty damn well for himself. Uh, if there's one thing that I can take away from CJ is that he has he has had the confidence of somebody at this level basically since he came into the league. Like he always knew he was going to be the big guy in the room. Um, he had big aspirations. It wasn't just being a dominant good player. It no, was he wanted how do I everywhere. create this? This, yes. yeah. this is this is what I was saying earlier. CJ wants to work in media when he's yeah. done playing. I remember when he came when he was still coming in uh, in the draft. Uh, Bill Simmons and Jalen Rose had their Grantland like rookie like incoming rookie job interviews, mm-hmm. and I remember for like two years after that, Bill Simmons was always talking about, "Man, I would hire CJ to work for Grantland right now." He's so polished. Like that's just kind of always been how CJ is. It's kind of a natural fit for a guy to be the president of the players union. It's almost, it feels like CJ, not just for the like auditioning for media stuff. It feels like CJ has been auditioning to be the president of the players union basically since he came in the league and commissioner McCollum in 25 years. It, I mean, would you hundred percent rule it out? Maybe no, not. Not at all. The idea that we could have an ex player as commissioner. I think that that could be something that, we see and i can't think of very many better candidates in the modern era as far as no. guys who a would want the job and b are you know already practiced in being a politician i think the most yeah. noteworthy thing out of cj's uh press conference was uh you know I, I i did ask him because he is the president of the players union and the vaccination stuff the vaccination stuff is like the story around the league right now and so i asked him you know as president of the players union you know yep. what is your thought on guys like Bradley Beal or Jonathan I I didn't I, I didn't mention those guys specifically by name but you know Bradley Beal Jonathan Isaac Kyrie Irving Andrew Wiggins all these guys that have you know come out against getting the vaccine and CJ uh you know his wife is she's not a doctor she's a she's a dentist yes, but she yeah. you know she works in the medical field so and, and she's know, pregnant C- so he's yes that too and see C- and but CJ has also like talked about in the past about like how he you know is pro vaccine and so I asked him kind of just about how he as the president of the players union how he views all of you know this whole situation and he gave kind of the answer that i would expect as far as you know a politically correct we have to respect all viewpoints but we also want to keep people safe and educate people about why they should get the vaccine that was kind of the exact answer you would expect somebody to say when they're in his position yeah uh, and like, uh, he's not he's not going to go full scorched earth on like anybody who doesn't want to get the vaccine is an idiot especially because he can't Kyrie, Ir- Kyrie Irving is on the board of the players yeah, he's the vice president they're gonna of- have to on that they're board, gonna so. have to negotiate like talk you know work together to negotiate stuff so he's you know this it, it was basically the exact answer you would expect from somebody who's a diplomat like cj is can i ask you guys i you know i didn't really get much from 
what he was talking about, like in general, he was to what you said, Danny, kind of doing a word salad thing. I kept thinking though, like while he was talking, I kept thinking about Chauncey talking and Dame talking and, you know, Nurk and what is this season going to mean? I came to a conclusion of all the players. Is he not going to be the toughest to get to fall into whatever this new era is going to be? Like, is can we really see CJ drastically changing the way he's going to approach the game? I just, I, I can't see that. I Nurk can be malcontent, but I could see him familiar with the role rebound, play defense, get the putback. Dame is going to be Dame. I think of the guys like CJ, I, I really don't know how he's going to work in this, this accountability, this defense. I don't buy that he's going to suddenly change his game that way. That's the thing is I, I've kind of alluded on a, a couple times here is this, this whole idea of you can't have both. You can't have the best version of CJ McCollum, which is the 13 game to start last season, and Yusuf Nurkic more involved. Because now you're elevating CJ McCollum to a level or on the level of Damian Lillard. And so you're going to tell Dame to take a step back but to get the best C.J. McCollum, you want him to be the version that he was the first 13 games of the year last year, which is when Yusuf Nurkic was minimized. So you, you've you got that conflict, and that's what I keep going back to, like the idea of the, where do you find that and where is that balancing point and, and how toxic is not the word I want to use, but how volatile I think that situation it can be. Fragile can be. Yeah, for fra- sure, yeah, fragile is the, is the perfect word for it because I believe these guys genuinely like each other and love each other. But, but there have, there have been some cracks in that, particularly over the last couple months of last season. Now, that could have just been COVID, the stresses of the season, everything else. But there were some things that popped up that made me kind of go, oh, about all that. So I think if you're looking at, you know, something to watch, the, everybody's going to stare at the big volcano, which is use of Nurkic. But I think you, you probably should keep your eyes on the one to the side in C.J. McCollum, and not that he's going to be the one that causes or, or explodes, but I think he could be the one that feeds Yusuf Nurkic's explosion. And That's a really terrible uh, volcano metaphor that I just came up with. You like that? No? Okay. Don't I thought bet. it was pretty awful, okay. to be honest with you. That's what kind of what I was going for. That's my, my, my ability to, to process thermodynamics <laughs> is off the charts. What can I say? God. But um, in general, I, I C.J. was C.J., didn't really have anything in there. Uh, the everybody else after that, we had Zeller, uh, Nance. Uh, you know, let's let's spend a little bit of time on Larry, and then we'll kind of wrap up on everybody else. Boy, Zeller's crowd, boring Oregon's <laughs> excited for Cody Zeller. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> there's there's two people on this team that every forty year old white dad is going to love, and it is Larry oh, yeah. Nance Jr. and it is yep. Cody Zeller. They they put their hard hats on before they go to work. Uh, they love their families. Uh, they, they're willing to sacrifice for the team, the greater good. I mean, mm-hmm. b- listen, Larry said the exact same as Co- exact same things as Cody. Larry just said them with more flavor. That's that's what I got from that. What was your takeaway, Sean? Yeah, Larry was very like. I think he almost did the you know did the like deep dive like internet research into like what can I how many different things can I say that are going to make me the pop the Q rating favorite. up. Exactly. Like, what can I like, like, let me just check, like check off the list. You know, Oh, I like, you know, I love how progressive Portland is LGBTQ <laughs> rights. Uh, I love soccer. Like he's going to, I'm, I'm just, I'm surprised he didn't have like strong opinions about micro brews or about. Dunks. I was going to say like, big IPA be, guy right here. Yeah, big IPA guy. And be like, and listen, you got to go to a different <laughs> restaurant. Like screen door is great guys, but there's other restaurants out there. You know, right? I just actually, you know, voodoo, voodoo donuts <laughs> is kind of a tourist trap. It's not really, 
<laughs> just throw out his favorite Thai place right in the middle of it. Oh yeah, by the way, you know. You just... know what? Powell's Books is great, but like there are smaller independent bookstores that you actually should be supporting instead. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love the idea of Larry Nance Jr. like workshopping. You know, oh, and he absolutely. I mean, that's the vibe that I got yeah. from from it totally. But no, he's he seemed great. I actually really kind of enjoyed Cody Zeller going through his, uh, you know, what his game is. He seemed he seemed pretty self aware about like I'm not really a rim protector, but I'm going to keep guys from getting in the paint. I kind of like that. Yeah, I'm not going to get five blocks what, a night, but I'm going to exactly, do a great job. No, I actually, yeah. I, out. I, my first really, impressions, yeah. my first impressions of Cody Zeller, I think, were positive. Also, the the thing that I got from him was he, he kind of like, hey, listen, I've been in Charlotte for eight years. You guys don't know who I am. You don't have to convince me. You know who I am. So let me introduce <laughs> you to who I am. That's right. that's the vibe that I got from him, which I thought was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's a he's a conventionally good player is going to do some things. I don't think he's going to fill up the box score in any kind of way. I think I'm going to liken him to Robin Lopez, where he's going to be kind of a cult hero, where he's going to do a lot of things, and you're going to like. God, they're better with him on the floor for like long stretches. What the hell? You look at the box score. He's got two points and like three rebounds, but you're like, why do they look so much better? Just because he just understands basketball. Like he just, he just gets it. Speaking of Robin Lopez, have you guys seen any Robin Lopez content from today? I I have not. I, all I saw was his Jersey being retired back home in uh, Fresno. So I have two things to read you. Oh, go for it. Yes. One of them is a tweet that Robin sent out earlier today where he says, and I'm reading it, and I quote, I've decided to haze the Magic rookies by making them get me the newest issues of National Geographic, Popular Science, and The New Yorker when they come out, and we're going to do a little magazine club and talk about what we've read. (laughs) It will be delightful, and you can't join and then also, this is from I'm, the, 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 the Twitter account that I'm seeing this from is Orlando Pinstriped Post, which is the SB Nation yep. uh, magic site. Uh, when asked about his brother winning a title, Robin Lopez says he's not sure if, he, if Milwaukee actually won a championship because he was actually there. He wasn't, at, he wasn't there and didn't watch it. Says he's still doing his own research. <laughs> yeah. I hope so he sends that to Wiggins. Shout out, shout out to Robin. I mean, well, Robin forget is- Wiggins. There's a guy in at least one guy in his own locker room in Orlando. Well, I mean, yeah, to say, yeah, okay, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. But no, Rob, Robin's one of my favorites. I, ha- I had him in Chicago as well as Portland. He's one of my favorite dudes I've ever covered. Robin's just awesome. So I just thought I'd, I'd share some Robin content here. I saw, I saw Robin. He. I think he still owns his. He place does down. He in the still South lives waterfront. out at the waterfront. Oh I, yeah, no, I he's, a, he's here a, in the summer usually. Yeah, so he I still work, lives out here. I work right down the road. There's a brewery right across, like a a, a pub, and I was getting beers uh, two summers ago. Uh huh. And he pulls out of the uh, like a Uber or something, and I'm like, "Rollo, you still live here?" And he goes, "The king doesn't leave his castle." And then he just walked <laughs> that's, into his. That's exactly that's exactly <laughs> on brand for what Robin would just casually say. I, I not missing a beat. Not trying to. I guess when you're Robin Lopez and you're seven foot tall and you have that hair. Like even yeah. when you put it under the hat. Like well, he was wearing a Mariner, his his Mariner's, Mariner's hat. hat. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That, that but even Mariner, then, yeah. you're he's seven foot tall. Like you're not hiding. Like my favorite Robin Lopez fact, and this is gonna be wild to you guys because you I mean you guys know about like the shoe game when it comes to players yeah. in the NBA and yeah. how many free pairs of shoes these guys get and how many they go through. The year that I, I had Robin in Chicago. He played all 82 games wearing the same pair of Adidas shoes. He did not change a pair of shoes once during the season. Why? I don't know, but I just remember talking to him about it that year. And he's just like, and he just, he just said, well, I, 
I, I forget how it came up in conversation. Cause like I used to, Robin was the guy, cause like I used to always just like hang out in the locker room pregame during the window of time when we could. And he was like the only guy in there. And so me and him would talk and we would usually just like talk about the Simpsons. Cause we're both huge Simpsons fans, but like, you know, at one how point many conversations came, did you have about rush? I don't know if Robin's a rush guy. I think whenever I've seen him tweet about music, I I understand why you would go there. I understand why you would think that <laughs> every time I've heard him talk about music, I think he's more of like, a like I've actually, I've seen him tweet about like ordering like the Mariah Carey box set on vinyl, which I sent to my buddy, Chris Hine, who covers the Timberwolves. He's yeah. also like a huge Mariah Carey fan. I think he's more of like a Mariah Carey, like Michael Jackson, like classic pop and R and B yeah. guy. I don't know if he's, yeah, again, I get why you would, you would think he's a rush guy like I am because of some of Robin's other interests, but mm-hmm. it seems like that's maybe not the kind of music that he's into. But the thing that he and I used to always talk about was the Simpsons, which is like the thing we both had in common, but I don't remember how it came up, but he told me at one point, point that uh he used that and he was wore the same pair of shoes for all 82 games of the season and then I started I didn't end up doing anything with it but just out of curiosity I started going around to other guys on the team and asking like how many pairs of shoes they go through during a season and most guys said they changed their share their shoes out like four or five times during the yeah. year and then Dwayne Wade was like well you know I have all these different custom player editions from leaning sometimes I change shoes at the half I probably go yeah. through 100 pairs a year <laughs> yep Yep. Some players will switch twice in a game. It's like, yeah, yeah. Dame, Dame has some colorways, so he goes oh, yeah. some shoes. If you, oh, yeah. if, I mean, you guys, you guys will know this. Like, you go in the locker room when you could back in the day, and I would go in the Blazer locker room, and it would just stack. Well, you see stacks, but you'd see their game worn shoes on the ground, and you would go, "Oh, those shoes are destroyed. Like they can't wear those shoes anymore." Yeah, it's yeah. insane. The, well, it's, a little inside baseball. I remember seeing Wesley Matthews' feet one night. And those are the most disgusting feet on the face of the planet. <laughs> Wes's feet were so mangled. He, he said something about it to me, too. And I was like, what are is they, wrong with your feet? Are they as bad is, as, by the way, is Wes on a team this year? Did he's he go not, back to he's not been signed. I haven't seen him be signed yet. But his, his, his toes were just like, I mean, the wrong ways. Just yeah. like he, he said something like, yeah, they get stepped on every night. Like he like had toenails torn off regularly. And I'm just like, oh, my God. He he said uh, Shaq was the worst offender. Shaq would you guys stomp have seen his LeBron's foot down. feet, right? LeBron's feet are also kind of they're pretty jacked. Yeah. No, I I try to avoid it as much as possible because after I saw Wes's feet, I was horrified. I hate going. I used to hate going mm. to the games, and I'd go to like a random game, and Tim Hardaway would be an assistant coach, and I would just look at his legs, and I'd be like, oh my god, his legs. That <laughs> that's what all those years in the NBA does to your legs. Just Patrick Ewing's on. the same way. Patrick yeah. Ewing like shrank. He like he can't you know what I mean like their legs get all messed up too. Yeah. It's it's amazing what happens when a, a super athletic human being pounds wood floors thousands of times uh, over you know decades. Um, oh, the Robin Lopez tweet just came up on my feed. So yes, I will let me go ahead and like and retweet for anybody else who's out there looking for it. That's fantastic. Um, let's kind of wrap it up here because we've been going for about an hour and a half. And thank all of you who've been here. Um, it. Media Day means Blazers basketball is here. The official season opener is is upon us. Training camp starts tomorrow. Uh, Ant got up there. Rocco, Nas, am I forgetting anybody else? We've already kind of hit on Zeller. So those three guys. And it, we, we just had Ant on the show just a few days ago. Um, any Anything from you guys on those guys? I, I, I got to be honest. After Dame um, went, I, I had to I, – well, I heard – 
I'm trying to, I'm forgetting the order here. I heard a little bit of Zellers. I heard Nurk and I heard Dame. And I think after that, I ended up logging off. I had to go run some errands. Hiking. Yeah, I was mainly, I was mainly interested in Dame and CJ. <laughs> well, for anybody who didn't uh, catch Anthony's uh, interview, uh, it'll, it's uh, on the feed. If you're on the YouTube channel right now, yep. it's just down below. Ant came by for about 45 minutes to talk to us about what he's excited about. Um, but overall, uh, um, I'm I'm kind of surprised that this this press conference this media day went as well as it did. General like again, tie a bow on it type stuff. Was there anything that cost you guys off guard that you're thinking about now? Nothing. I'm not surprised. I I, I guess I'm more surprised that you were surprised. I as bad as that was proprietary Sean. They they were so bad for two, twice in a row. I'm like I, I know, but Danny, you know this man. Like I mean, it still wasn't great that they did that. They still basically no commented the. Uh, no, no, hundred hundred percent agree with that. I'm just saying, like overall, I didn't expect this to go into the side of the mountain the way the Chauncey press conference did. I really expected most of the vanilla non-answer answers um, from just about everybody. If anything, it just it actually just reaffirmed how excited I am about the season. I. I think this team's interesting. I, they, they range in so many people's opinions of how good they can be and where they'll really end up that I, I look at the Western conference and I hear every argument and they all make sense to me. And I just, I'm jacked to see what Chauncey is as a coach, how different they look, who's doing what, how different roles are like all of that today kind of got lit inside me. Cause right now I've just been doing football, football, football along with the podcast. So they're finally actually here and see the guys in town and hear what they said. It just got me excited for the NBA season. So the first preseason game is the fourth. Was that a week from today? Yeah. So the two, the two home preseason games are a week from today and two weeks from today, the fourth and the eleventh. So we'll have a uh, pretty quick turnaround on uh, the 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 first experiment. Um, maybe we'll we'll buy in as much as we all did on Mario Hazonia bench bench point guard. Um, I wish Mario Hazonia was good because he was one of the most delightful guys in the league to talk to. He's fun. Like, just go. He's watch. a huge shit talker, and he <laughs> genuinely thinks he's like one of the best players in the league, but he's actually one of the worst players. It's, it's just like a, you love the confidence, man. He's yeah. he's great in that regard. It's just it doesn't ever come together. Sean, what are you working on, Bleach Report? Uh, we'll probably have something on Dame either tonight or tomorrow, and then other than that, I've got a couple, you know features ideas in the works that are sort of developing that i are a little bit too early to talk about but you know i've got i got some stuff in the works you guys will be hearing from me perfect follow Sprague. follow hiking at hiking on twitter uh bleach report uh, on the app uh sprague what do you got coming up on 1080 just uh you know more football stuff just the perfect stuff to tease on an nba podcast perfect that's what we love to hear <laughs> my ducks still undefeated yeah well my i hope they my no, beef's just kicking that. Danny's ass in yeah. LA. It was a great weekend. It's been a it's been a rough, rough week for me. You know what? I did say I wrote the season off and it is what it is with Helton being fired, so I'll I'll take it. Um we will be back here uh for the live show on Wednesday. Probably be a, a compressed one. Uh we'll probably have some insights from training camp and a few other things uh here or there. I am like I said, I'm still working to get a few other guys before the season starts. Uh hopefully we can get Larry on. Uh can't confirm which way that one's gonna go yet. But uh, we will be on a live show Wednesdays going forward until the season starts. And then Brandon and I will we'll have hopefully something in the next couple of weeks. Well, we will because the season's getting ready to start as far as uh, how quickly we're going to be doing stuff. Uh, I've got some more surprises in the works uh, as far as what we'll get for content for Jack Ramsey's of the podcast side. 
um, some some cross promotion with some other folks that uh, we have coming, um, some sponsorship deals that that we're working on. With there's there's a lot of stuff going on, and thank you all so 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 very much for your time, your dedication, your support. Uh, it has been absolutely awesome. We shattered last month's downloads already. Um, we are crushing it. Uh, I actually got a note from the Blue Wire uh, folks earlier before we hopped on, uh, and absolutely blown away by how great things have gone and that is all because of you guys so thank you all so very much uh, on social media at danny morang at d morang on instagram at hiking across everything right uh-huh. hey, you lucky bastard hey and, he just followed me on instagram i, I was like wow sean hiking wow me verified sean hiking verified sean you gotta, gotta love it uh at brandon sprague uh for everybody else here thank you all so much for